everyone. Hope you're um, gearing up towards a summer break or perhaps you're somewhere else and it's turning to the winter season um, wherever you are. As promised, we've got another quick episode to celebrate the ability to get out and about and record in person. And in this episode, I'm in conversation with Lindsay Hall, the chief executive for the Real Ideas organisation. And we're at the VIP opening of the Devonport Market Hall in Plymouth. And uh, everyone was encouraged to visit the uh, market hall in a sustainable and green fashion. And so I took the opportunity uh, during our current heat wave here in the UK to cycle the 13 miles into town and uh, rock up. And yeah, it was really interesting to be at an event in person and felt a little bit like we're all going to have to relearn how to network in these current times so if you've had any experiences like that love to hear um, how you found them as well. Um, so Lindsay Hall is the co-founder and CEO of the Real Ideas Organisation Group leading and managing the organisation to run its own social enterprise ventures and enable others particularly young people to set up and run their own socially entrepreneurial activities solving problems and building skills. Lindsay's track record in the public and private sectors as a creative social entrepreneur, thinker and leader has seen her set up and develop products and services across the creative, learning and education sectors. Most recently, this has included transforming a former market hall building in Devonport, Plymouth into an immersive technology centre with the largest immersive dome in Europe. Lindsay is also a Nesta Cultural Leadership Fellow a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts, trustee of Kerno Education Arts Partnership and Plymouth Culture, member of Plymouth Growth Board and one of the Wise 100 social enterprise leaders. During the COVID pandemic, she has advised the government on the role of social enterprises socially and economically during a time of extreme isolation. In this episode, we chat about how listeners can get involved with the Market Hall 15 metre immersive dome, both in terms of content creation engaging students and developing workplace practice. This is a really interesting collaboration project surfacing university expertise and connecting schools, workplaces, technologists and artists together. Developed by Real Ideas Organisation in partnership with Plymouth City Council and the Institute of Digital Art and Technology at the University of Plymouth, the Market Hall is a £7.6 million project which will create a new space for digital, especially those working in immersive and creative applications of technology. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Um, In the meantime, we are um, scoping out our new series, which will be around in September, October. Um, And also just to mention our new self-paced course for launching a podcast, which will also be available in September. Uh, You can sign up already if you're interested uh, in hearing about when that launches. And that's about it. Enjoy the episode and take care. Bye. So um, I am feeling very surreal. I'm in a in a real world environment um, with lots of technology and people about, all very well behaved and socially distanced. <laughs> um, and I'm delighted to be here with Lindsay from uh, the Real Ideas organisation. So welcome. Thank you very much. Well, very glad you are here. And this is uh, a real moment because I've been talking to various people at the Real Ideas organisation 
since I moved to the southwest about this project and uh, then obviously COVID hit and now we're finally here and it's a real uh, moment as I said because you're opening the market hall, you're opening the dome. For our listeners could you sort of summarise the environment we're in, what it's all about and uh, yeah we'll go from there. Okay so the market hall Um, how to describe it, how to summarise it. So what it is, is a grade two listed market building. So think sort of Covent Garden. That's sort of, I think, probably most people will know that. Um, And it's in Devonport, which is a brilliant part of Plymouth, but really quite a poor part of the city, so near the dockyard. Uh, And it's a building that was built in 1852 as a fruit and veg market um, at a time when Devonport was clearly very, very prosperous. Um, apparently had four cinemas and two theatres, um, uh, you know, going certainly in the 1930s before the Second World War. And it was, um, so yes, glorious building is probably the only way to describe it. But when we came into the building about seven years ago now, um, it was knee deep in pigeon poo. Um, you know, there were things growing inside it. It was damp, it was dark, it was horrible. Um, and essentially what had happened was bombing in the Second World War um, had destroyed a lot of the community. The um, MOD had then moved in and absorbed this area back into the dockyard, built a massive wall around it, which fractured the community. Um, so for a while, this building housed pots of paint. Uh, and then probably for the last 30 years, it had actually been derelict and just sort of left on its own. Um, in the early 2000s, uh, Devonport became the site of a massive regeneration project. So 1,500 new homes in this area. Um, but grade two listed, beautiful, but really awkward building. What do you do with it? So essentially, in the end, the developers approached the city council. The developers clearly went, we don't know what to do. Um, so they sort of, you know, tried to give the city council the building and, um, you know, a bit of money to sweeten the deal. Um, the city council then phoned us as Real Ideas, as an independent social enterprise, and said... Um, okay, uh, well, we don't want to do it unless you'll actually find something to do with this building because we, the city council, are not the people to take this sort of thing forward. Um, so we sort of thought about it a bit and it coincided with um, conversations that we've been having with the University of Plymouth and particularly Professor Mike Phillips um, around digital art and technology and how that was a real speci- specialism of the university and actually that, you know, it was like global, world-leading specialism, but um, all rather invisible as far as the population of Plymouth were concerned because it was inside the hallowed halls of academia. Um, and so, actually, was this the moment to bring it out and to think about creating what we're now describing as an immersive creative technology centre, so a hub, a cluster for creative businesses, for um, students, to retrain graduates for the community for children and definitely high on our list is that you know the five-year-olds who uh, are living in homes you know just outside the um well in the community you know just the outside of the walls of the building how do they get opportunities to come and imagine themselves in really different careers and work opportunities and that sort of thing so essentially roll forward seven years seven and a half million pounds later and um that's where we are that's absolutely brilliant. And um, I remember you recalled the story of Rita, so a 90-year-old former, well, current resident who'd lived here during that time that you mentioned, so booming cinemas and everything being prosperous. 
feeling that that was sort of coming back to the area as well. Absolutely. So, yeah, Rita was lovely. We have, we've had two community open days so far. Um, and obviously because of COVID, we have to book people in and all that sort of thing. But, you know, massively popular. Lots of people come. And uh, amongst them was Rita, lovely Rita, 92-year-old. Uh, and she, um, very determined, fiercely determined. Um, and she came in. And she was looking at the building and, and saying, yeah, yeah, this is where I used to come to get fruit and veg with my mum, you know, when I was a child before the Second World War. But she was also great because she was coming in and saying, hmm, it's not quite the same shape as I remember. Now, I remember it as an oblong building, not a square one, um, which has led us to go, oh, OK, that's really interesting. So actually, you know, maybe in the bombing and the, and the devastation of the Second World War, actually maybe a bit of it's gone missing and therefore what we've always taken to be the shape of the building isn't how it was um she talked to us about um the fact that upstairs on the mezzanine that actually it had been the home for uh, pigeon fanciers so you know there were all these sort of homing pigeons and pigeon lofts and so it was a very male environment and so she used to get sent upstairs with a bottle of beer to give you know whoever it was you know um uh but you know women didn't really go up there but she was so she was really interested she was very um excited by the sort of sense of the fact that here was a part of something she remembered coming back but not nostalgic so she wasn't saying it should come back in the way that it had been what she was saying was this is really exciting that there's a new use and so we took her into the dome and played her some content and she was completely blown away by that and ever so excited by the sort of um actually it was really funny because we showed her a little bit of space content and she said oh yeah she said i remember when i was four years old and i um i started at kerr street primary school so that's the primary school that no longer exists two minutes away by the guild hall and uh, she said that's where i went she said i walked in and i was four years old and there were two groups there was a boys group and a girls group so I was put in the girls' group. And she said, I was listening to what the boys were talking about. The boys were talking about space. And she said, I said to the teacher, is it possible I could go and be part of that group? Because that sounds much more interesting. Yeah. And, and she was remembering that while she was watching this sort of immersive space content. And so it's very, I think it has the power to connect people, you know, across ages and across experience, um, which is very important. Oh, 100%. And I think more than ever now. So mm. just this experience of being here and mm. people from the universities, from businesses, from schools. And um, it's, yeah, it's exciting. It feels like a long time since this, this has been the case. Um, and then I was talking to a colleague of yours and they were sort of mentioning that you do have some schools coming in in a couple of weeks or so. Um, could you talk a little bit about what it will mean to have those school kids come in and, and how they can get involved as well? Sure. So I think... I think there's, it sort of works at a couple of le- at levels. So partly it is about um, inspiring children um, and, and, you know, young children as, as much as older ones about the possibilities of where things go. I think the, or their opportunities that they will have. Because one of the, I think one of the challenges a lot of teachers have is actually to keep up to date, mm. you know, with um, w- what does work look like? You know, w- what is it? you know, what are the careers? And it's yeah. it's hard, you know, I completely get it. If you're a teacher and you're in schools all the time, really hard to actually understand, you know, what are the career opportunities? What does this look like? Um, and for many of them, um, therefore, they're not perhaps very well placed to be able to, you know, engage children in the things that could be the spark 
that you know moves them into into a more positive future and you know in lots of ways parents and families or some parents and families can fill some of those gaps but lots can't and so what we're trying to do here is to say well let's make sure that children in this area you know actually get to come in come in and see you know and experience the power of you know a really new medium to be the first to understand it to play a little bit with the text so one of the things that we're designing is a sort of dome in a day workshop so the idea that you could actually come in and it will be a template but actually to see something that you've drawn or a little piece of film that you've made go from you know the abstract into being on that huge immersive screen and that you've caused that you know that I think is very powerful and for some they will then go oh okay this is exciting I want to do something with this you know and I want to learn to program or I want to learn to create or you know whatever it might be so um, it's partly about that Um, and then I think the other bit in terms of schools is also to give them a resource which means that maybe they could think about how they teach some of the more traditional things in a way that creates engagement for children who struggle and that's the other part of what we're trying to do so you know we've got lots of content which is about being able to visit spaces that it's hard to visit for example go underwater you know go into space you know all those sorts of things so you know what could we develop and I don't know the answer to this yet but what could we develop that you know would engage um, children who might find a textbook a bit dry Mm -hmm. but actually if they could be swimming with sharks off they go and for the content developers because of the dimensions does it have to be developed bespoke for the dome here or can it be other content that's already out there no so we've got lots of content that's coming from all over the world so at the moment the content we've got we've got content we're licensing from america from canada from europe um and you know some of that's on straight license deal we've got content that's being produced by is what you might call more like small creative organizations or artists um again from all over the place um and uh no there are i mean it's not quite as standard as you know things pinging around on our mobile phones but it's not too bad um and there is uh essentially anything that you shoot on a 360 camera you know a gopro that costs less than 500 quid you can shoot stuff and we can put it on the dome um and we've seen stuff like that um, you can also use uh, quite straightforward software to do basic things. You can program with the same games engines that are used for for virtual reality and um, goggles and all of those types of things. So like your Unity and Unity, Unreal, you know, okay. both of those. I'm just um, thinking if people are listening in and they're very in the immersive world, mm. then they should come and connect. They absolutely should come and connect. Yeah. They really should because we are very interested in how to also connect the work to the general public and we are as of the week after next there will be a public set of screenings every week friday night saturday afternoon saturday night where you can just come in the way that you would go to a venue and see something and you buy your ticket and off you go my, my head's kind of like joining the dots in all sorts of, sorts of directions as well because i know that um Dereford is one of the future hospitals and you could imagine you know in terms of scenario training mm. Absolutely. Yeah. And we, we're talking to Babcocks, for example, who run the dockyard next door. Um, and they're really interested in a lot of that scenario stuff because, yeah. you know, they're obviously dealing with, um, you know, expensive, dangerous things. And you don't want to do that, you know, going off, you know, for real. So yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. There is definitely that. We've been um, 
talking to um, Sail GP, the big sailing race that's coming. So they've got 360 cameras on all their boats. Oh, amazing. And so, okay, brilliant. So as they're zooming around Plymouth Sound, how do we get all that content and turn it into a show, which means that people who can't, well, definitely can't go on the water, maybe don't even get up to the hoe, yeah. actually could understand and experience and engage with that. Um, yeah. So all of those things are, are happening. I mean, they're happening now. That's, yeah. you know, so you sort of doesn't take much to think, okay a couple of steps and we could be into the world of all sorts of really exciting things fantastic well thank you so much for your time i won't keep you too too much because uh you know this is your party so you should definitely celebrate <laughs> and uh yeah thanks again thank you so much well thank you bye-bye So thanks for listening everyone thank you also to Lindsay and huge congratulations to the whole team at Rio and all of the partners that made the uh, market hall uh, come back to life it's an incredible building and um, full of heritage so that's great to see if you listen to this episode and you enjoy the EdTech podcast feel free to share with friends or drop us a review otherwise do take care enjoy these next few weeks and we'll be back around september october bye